0: You're listening to the FMC podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to the FMC podcast. My name is Matt Spazzali, and I'm Jonathan Keel. We're glad to have you with us after a, a, something of a long hiatus. Um, and uh, so we'll we'll start with a prayer here. Uh, and <laughs> someone just rang a bell outside, so. Uh, I think it's like a prayer bell call to prayer yeah okay
1: well let's go ahead and pray this morning we'll begin with a prayer from Psalm 19 in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. amen the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge there is no speech, nor other words, their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hid from its feet, from its heat. Lord, we give you thanks this morning for the gift of your wonderful creation. We just are thankful, Lord, for the way that all the world around us, the natural world, expresses uh, your beauty and your glory. We ask that you would help us today to. Uh, Better understand Lord the purpose of creation and the moral imperatives, Lord, for how we are to live in this world and and give us, Lord, eyes to see You um, in everything in the natural world and all of Your creatures. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, good to have you back. Thank you. Great to be back. Uh... You've been in Mexico for how many weeks? About five
1: weeks. We five were weeks. out in uh, General Cepeda in Coahuila, Mexico.
0: What, what was going on down there, man?
1: Well, we uh, went down to lead, um, help lead, co lead, I should say, um, a couple mission, short term mission uh, trips from different parishes from the United States and. Um, it was just a real beautiful encounter with uh, the people down there and working with the poor and we were able to share the gospel in uh, many of the hijitos and ranchos, little villages around Tenorau Cepeda and also uh, we were able to do some works of mercy, building homes, visiting the sick. Uh, it was just all around a, a great mm-hmm. opportunity to encounter Jesus and um, His poor. and. In our neighbors,
0: that that was your first mission post. Yeah, uh, that was back in two thousand thirteen. That's right.
1: right. In two thousand thirteen, that was our first year of missions, and uh, we served in General Cepeda, uh, and our son Ezekiel was born there.
0: Yeah, and did was this the first time you had been back since y'all moved away from General Cepeda? No, we went
1: back in two thousand fourteen. Okay. the end of 2014 we were there about a week helping out with a different smaller group.
0: Great. Uh, I've just been out here at Big Woods doing doing my thing. Some of you uh, may have received the Serve uh, magazine that we put out um, twice a year. Uh, Been working on editing that and uh, putting that together and so uh, read it. There's some good stories and uh, accounts from the mission field about what we do, and uh, it's really—I don't have anything to do with the design. That's Kylie, and it—it it just looks—it looks great. Um, yeah, it does. And uh, so we move on to our our topic today, um, and it's a. It's, it's, it's an interesting topic, I think, um, one that is, for me, easily overlooked, um, and I have to confess, is one that I have not, I mean, there there's just no two ways to talk about it. I have not put this in my orbit of morality. Um, in, in any way, and we're we're so we're talking about uh, our relationship to creation and to to the natural world that God created and put us in and gifted us with, and we've seen Pope Francis write an entire encyclical uh, about this relationship, Laudato Si, um, and. Uh, you know, I think just that right there, uh, one of the f- things... You know, I haven't read the encyclical, I maybe have read excerpts, um, but I've I've read much more of other things that he's said. And I would uh, imagine that that's generally the case for most Catholics in the United States, and probably around the world. Um, I mean, I know that there are certainly a lot of people very, very interested in this issue, um, but I think Jonathan and I have had similar experiences that, in our, in the circles that we have lived and grown up in in the faith, this is not seen as a paramount issue or a major issue of consideration, and so we wanted to see what the Church is saying about that, what it has said. And so we're not actually going to dive into Laudato Si right now, but try to go back a little further and see what the Church has said uh, previously.
1: Yeah, I would um, just candidly confess as well that um, I was surprised at how much Pope Francis emphasized this issue. And when I read Laudato Si, Um, Earlier this year, it just really challenged me. Um, I I started reading it in Peru last year, uh, just because we really felt um, you know living in missions has really changed my perspective on so many things, and this has been an issue from the very beginning. Um, If I if I can just share some of our personal experiences when we first got to Henry al Cepeda in 2013, one thing we discovered was everywhere we were driving on the roads, there was trash, just trash everywhere. And it was such a beautiful uh, place to encounter the Lord. One of our traditions we do in Family Missions Company is we, we would try to go out once Uh, every week or once every two weeks Mm -hmm. out to the desert and have what's called a desert day which is where we would just bring our Bibles and um, spend a few hours quietly searching listening for God's voice in prayer and it just felt um, so invasive just everywhere you looked trash and beer bottles and broken glass and plastic and uh, piles of it on the streets. It really kind of shocked us to be honest, and I remember driving one day with some Mexicans um, coming back from uh, Saltillo, and we had gotten pizza, and when we had finished we had pizza in our pizza boxes and some two-litter bottles and uh, one of the, the Mexican men just opened up his window and threw all the pizza boxes the, all the trash, all of the um, two-liter bottles just right out the window without even a second thought and um, That really that lack of respect for their land just really uh, Startled me it really left me, you know with a, a great impression and I remember our attempts at recycling that, that failed and um, you know there wasn't a place to recycle and then we moved to uh, our second year to a bit north of that to a town called Villa de Juarez and I remember one day we went to a town called Sabinas and um, I went to go grocery shopping and uh, Teresa my wife took our children to go swimming in the river and when I came back the police were there and they had Gotten into the river. We didn't know. We were kind of ignorant tourists But they had gotten into the river without realizing, you know, there are dead fish all over the place They didn't even think about it. They just kind of jumped oh, in but there was all these dead fish and the policemen had come To let us know that, you know, not far upstream from Sabinas um, some companies were dumping their waste into the river and that no one was allowed to go swimming in the water right now is too dangerous. Um, and yet, most of our community, you know, an hour downriver, that was they made their living off of uh, in, in in fishing in a place called La Presa de the uh, San Martin, which is one of the largest water reserves in the state of Coahuila. So that was uh, that just really again startled us. And then finally, I remember last year. It was probably our most dramatic encounter with, um, you know, pollution, uh, and that's where we lived in a town called Leoncio Prado in Peru, in, in the department of uh, San Martin. And um, what happened there is we didn't have trash service, so uh, your only choices were to either burn or to uh, some people try to dig a hole and bury it but the problem was uh, everyone's house was built um, the back of your house where you would try to bury your trash or put your trash was a, a runoff from the river and so when it rained a whole lot the, the water would fill the river and go into this runoff kind of ditch and it would just all the trash would just be swept away in the river and for a lot of people that made them they were happy to have the space back, but for the person, the people, uh, the village downriver, all of our trash would go to them, and the trash from the ri- from the village upriver would come to us, and I remember a number of the local kids getting sick, I remember my kids and myself feeling real like our skin was burning or tingling, I don't, still don't know what that was about, um, and then just the deforestation was another thing we encountered, just uh, on a mass scale in the rainforest there, and so we begin to really um, kind of look at pollution in a different way when it was no longer something that was just happening on a, on a television right. show, but something that was happening um, in our family life. Yeah, I
0: think that's that's important because I was just thinking. Um, I was glad you were sharing the the stories because I think they're very similar to ones. Probably everyone has heard. Maybe I mean we've certain. I um, littering is a problem here in Louisiana as a um, as my home state. It's it's embarrassing to see how a lot of our roads and bayous and all this stuff have just junk floating in it. But you know, so we've seen that. Um, Maybe not some of the more egregious examples that you mentioned but um, I think most people have heard about this stuff and it if for for those of us in the more developed world it's not that convincing we don't often see well how does that really affect me and I think that that's the that's sort of the question that maybe we're dealing with is like why it's like it's it's an sometimes an out of sight out of mind issue even though there are examples of it all around us um, and I think that's where what you know what we've been researching recently about this about the issue about what the church has to say about it is um, enlightening because it doesn't it takes it out of the realm of mere uh, thought and you know it's like and challenges us to actually um, incorporate it into our lives, incorporate a understanding of what effect we have on the world and um, what effect we should have and what relationship we should have. Um. And you know one of the things
1: Pope Benedict wrote, uh, in his encyclical Caritas in Veritate back in 2009, he said the way humanity treats the environment influences the way it treats itself and vice versa. And um, I thought of the fact that in so many of these cultures where we serve as missionaries, um, especially among the poorest of the poor, there's just no respect. They, you really see an analogy, you know, it's almost as though the trash is a metaphor for mm-hmm. um, the human beings that you serve, that society as a whole has disregarded and kind of thrown aside, and um, oftentimes they're seen as m- just eyesores, as kind of yeah. something that, uh, you know, we would. It would be better if they were just removed from sight and then they would be out of mind. This whole issue, you know, makes me think of a movie. It wasn't the best movie, but the premise was interesting. I want to say the movie was called The Box, but Mm -hmm. not 100% sure that was the movie's title. But in this movie, um, the main characters are presented with basically this black box and they can, they, this box, I don't remember if it gave them something, or in some way, it it gave the, it had a, a way of giving them something they wanted, but they would, they only knew that if they took this black box, or they used it, it would kill somebody, but they were, Assured that they would never meet this person and that it wasn't someone they know and so they were kind of detached and In a way that's I think kind of like this issue is You know we're told that What we do has um, Consequences but so often we don't feel the consequences. We don't see the consequences They're just kind of out of sight out of mind and so our convictions are very shallow yeah. oftentimes because they aren't really invested with personal um, you know w- with a personal investment
0: yeah what's well, let's, um let's let's jump into did you want to do the uh, John Paul well what I wanted first, to do, do where do you, you want to start is
1: just kind of talk for just a brief outline briefly just kind of As I was looking into this issue, you know, I've been actually very surprised at how much the church has been saying. You know, if you look up Laudato Si' in many Catholic news sources, you know, it's we just last month celebrated the anniversary, the two-year anniversary of Laudato Si', and I had posted on my Facebook page, you know, this is the anniversary, and I got some really ugly comments about. you know, um, Satan influencing the church about masons uh, around every corner, and um, one particular person had said, you know, the Pope should be telling us to repent, not to recycle, and so there was these, there were these various negative responses. And as I looked up um, and, and many play, um sources, um, Laudato Si, there were. Uh, certain people in the comment section that were just so negative and saw this as new age um, naturism and as um, ways that Pope Francis is changing the church teaching and so I thought it would be interesting as we always try to do to bring out kind of this continuity and certainly Pope Francis and his um, only uh, encyclical that was um, published while he was uh, from his own hand we had um lumen fidei but that was mainly written by pope benedict which um pope francis acknowledges in the introduction but we also his as his very first homily as a pope he brought up this as his inauguration he brought up this issue so we know it's very important to him and then you know pope benedict i quoted in um uh, Charity and truth, or caritas and veritate, but really, um, Pope Benedict. Um, there's a number of books. One's called the Environment. There's another one where he's called the Green Pope, and these are just. Uh, we'll we'll talk about some of these in maybe a later, um, a later
0: podcast. But Pope- yeah, I think so. The the kind of the general thrust of of what we're looking at is is this just. Pope Francis, right, and it's just a Pope Francis issue—is this just his right. thing? Is he just a green guy who's uh, pushing this personal agenda exactly. that, that he has? You know, it is and and I think that that is the way that it's been portrayed yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways, and so we're we're looking into that.
1: Yeah, but as you go back even further, you know, John Paul II... His one of his most famous addresses on this was in 1990. He, he wrote um, for the World Day of Peace an address on this this particular topic, which he called "Peace with God, the Creator, Peace with all of creation," where he outlines um, a lot of the main points of Laudato Si'. But even you know he uh, in his very first encyclical, Redemptor Hominis, uh, section eight, he talks about. Uh, the environment. And uh, one thing I thought was really interesting was, in 1979, um, John Paul II, Saint John Paul II, proclaimed uh, Francis of Assisi, the patron saint of those who work with uh, ecology, or study ecology. And then in 1997, he proclaimed Benedict, um, Saint Benedict uh, and Francis, the patron saints of those who work with environment issues and it was fascinating to me to think that the following two popes had the same names benedict and francis so um, that was interesting mm-hmm. and then you know there's been a number of um writings pope uh blessed paul vi also wrote on and and i'd like someday to be able to, to talk about those but what probably struck me the most um and I wanted to kind of go through today, I know we talked about this uh, over this week, Matt and I, is just how much teaching on this topic there is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which really surprised us. We've both um, spent time reading the Catechism, and um, I was just really surprised at a number of the things that I encountered there, and so Mm -hmm. that's kind of where we're hoping to go for the rest of this podcast. is just what does the catechism actually teach us?
0: Now, I think what we're, I mean, without uh, revealing the, <laughs> uh, or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but um, I mean, the catechism is not something that we can brush aside. Uh, you know, it's just, you can't You can't do it. Um, This is the emphatic statement of our belief, Um, you know, outside of the creed, you know, uh, but it's a... uh, the statement of of what Catholics believe in in its most... it's a big book, but uh, its most concise thing. So, I mean, if we find it in the Catechism, we may not... So, th- this is actually one thing I-, I wanted to say is like, we may not agree with it. You know, there it's, um, you know, because people might say, well, why are you even talking about this issue? Um, well, uh, there are many reasons, but you know, you could say, well, shouldn't you be talking about abortion? Um, we certainly could. I don't think there's anybody who's unclear on the church's stance on abortion. There may be many Catholics and other people who disagree with it, but I don't think that there are people who are unclear on it. I do think there are people like myself who have been unclear about what the church's stance is on the environment, that there is actually a discernible um, direction that... The church says is our Christian obligation.
1: Yeah, and I would also, you know, posit that, you know, we all are certainly pro-life, um, from, right. in, in all of its forms, and I think for us, it's uh, for for Matt and I certainly, and for uh, most Catholics that we know, this is it's not a difficult topic: abortion, in the sense of one to accept the church's teaching it. It comes relatively easy, the the ascent to that um, part of the faith. And so for us, I think um, we really want to, in this podcast, deal with those things that we find challenge ourselves and those around us rather than just preaching to the choir, if you will. Uh, it's very easy to talk about abortion in the areas or in the in the circles that we've been in
0: and if and and if you're unconvinced on the church's teaching there are better people to exactly, convince you than, exactly. than us i mean it's been spoken about in um very clear ways by many 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 people um and to do a podcast on that issue would seem redundant we could direct you to resources that would that are much better than than our ability to to convey the point.
1: But we do feel, you know, as I've been um, diving into this topic really over the last uh, six months or so, um, I've been surprised, uh, astounded, and at times just challenged to change my way of thinking and my way of living and and It's not been easy and and to this day. I'm t- I will just freely confess that um, I assent to these teachings, but I know that I'm falling short right. and so And we don't and
0: we, we discussed this as well. We don't have <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't disappoint you or get you turn this off, but <laughs> we don't have an answer uh, categorical answer of okay now here's what you're going to do with this information that we we've found I, we're still working that out ourselves uh, like what does it mean I guess I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit but um, we're if you find yourself struggling with anything you're, you're hearing we're, we're struggling with it as well um, and trying to figure out how it what it means for our lives and what it means moving forward.
1: But I think, um, you know, we're struggling only in the sense of bending and Mm -hmm. changing ourselves to or you might say in in better walking this path. Yeah. You know, we're not what we're not doing is trying to find a loophole or a way out of this path. What we're trying to do is rather find a better way to more fully live the churches and Jesus' teaching. And I think, at the same time, we want to be honest and not just pretend like the Pharisee that, you know, as we look out on the masses of people who aren't living the teaching and say, Thank you, Lord, we're not like them. uh, We don't want to do that. We we realize we're also um, weak human beings and struggling. But we believe this is the truth. Yeah.
0: Okay, so tell us.
1: So it's interesting, you know, the catechism's built into four. There are four parts of the catechism. There's part one, the profession of faith. Then there's the second part, um, which is on the celebration of the Christian mystery, which is all, mainly the sacraments and our celebration of the liturgy. And then we have life in Christ, which is uh, which talks about our living the faith through the Ten Commandments and um, which is the, the main breakdown is um, using the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, um, and then Christian prayer. And the areas that the two sections where we're going to discover um, the church teaching on the environment and our relationship to nature, There's gonna be in part one, the profession of faith, and in part three, life in Christ, especially, uh, and almost completely under the seventh commandment section, which is on do not steal. And and that's kind of talk about what, that's really interesting to me. Um, But, so, kind of like just breaking down some of the basics, our creed begins uh, with It says in 198, with the creation of heaven and earth, and creation is the beginning and foundation of all God's work. Um, It talks about the world being made. I love this paragraph, 293. The world was made for the glory of God. St. Bonaventure explains that God created all things not to increase his glory, but to show it forth and to communicate it. Uh, it made me think of a the line the first line of a famous poem by Gerard Manley Hopkins: "The world is charged with the grandeur of God," and so we kind of take as our starting point that uh, creation shows and also communicates God's glory. Uh, it's not something that you know. There's kind of a deist way of looking at. Uh, the world, which is, you know, we're all, some of us at least would be familiar with this idea of the watchmaker, where God kind of winded up a watch and then left it and and went away. And, you know, this watch is no longer dependent on God or the maker. It has no special relationship. It's it's this neutral thing. That's not the way that um, we as Christians or we as Catholics um, look at Nature and I, and I think of this passage from uh, Romans chapter 1, and in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 19 and 20, we read that, uh, for what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it, ever since the creation of the world, His invisible nature, namely His eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. And we have this idea that the Apostle Paul um, develops, that creation, in some special way, is, in a a way, is a sacrament of God. It shows us God, but also in a way, in a a certain way, as St. Augustine would say in the Confessions, God, not in a pantheistic way, but God certainly being the principle of all life exists uh, as well in each creature, most completely in the human person who's the summit um, of all creation, but also in every living thing everything that exists um, has partakes in God's life so there's you have this showing forth and communicating of God's glory and then also going back to Genesis um, the catechism talks about in 299 that creation comes forth because it comes forth from God's goodness it shares in that goodness which means uh, and, it, and it quotes, And God saw that it was good, very good, in Genesis chapter 1. And each creature possesses its own particular goodness and perfection, it's going to say later in 302. And so Read that again. So each we'll creature. come back to this. Okay. But each creature possesses its own particular goodness and perfection. And um, in 302, the way that's... Um, the way that's presented, uh, and I actually wanted to read a, a line, um, a paragraph from the Compendium of the Catholic Church, which is kind of an abbreviated, um, official abbreviated mm-hmm. version of the Catechism. It says this in section 64, at the same time there is also a unity and solidarity among creatures, since all have the same Creator, are loved by Him, and ordered to His glory, respecting the laws inscribed in creation and the relations which derive from the nature of things is therefore a principle of wisdom and a foundation for morality. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to that in just a moment.
0: Do you mind uh, jump in? I think um, if you're listening to this and you you feel like that sounds kind of new agey, or so you're not alone i you know, when i hear it I, i'm like whoa what I, I, that's not the stuff i'm used to hearing from the church um, and that's fine if that 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 can be our first reaction but it's not it can't be the end of our reaction it's like you know i i we have to say okay that's fine i may be predisposed to um, Furrow my brow at it, at it, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you have. We have to go further. We have to go further than our immediate prejudice or immediate um, re- immediate reaction and see. Okay, nevertheless, this is what the yeah. church is sta- is saying. Um, we let's take it seriously. Let's look at it.
1: Yeah, and it makes me think of a passage. You know, a passage I love. Uh, where Jesus calms the storm and um, the version I really like of that is found in Mark 4 uh, and then Mark four forty, in the midst of the storm um, they wake Jesus up and I love Mark's version because it mentions he's asleep on a pillow which is just kind of an interesting <laughs> little detail yeah. but they woke him and they said in teacher chapter uh, verse 38 teacher do you not care if we perish so in the midst of this storm, this confusion, this fear arises, they, f- they no longer feel, um, you might say, the certainty. They're out on the waves. They're no longer you know, on land. They're at the mercy of the wind and the waves. And they say, Teacher, do you, ca- do you not care if we perish? And he awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? And then they say, who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? And I think sometimes we encounter uh, Jesus uh, and elements in our lives where we're disillusioned, where we have a certain idea of how life's supposed to be, that we've kind of come to Jesus. We all have our our prior um, ways of thinking. By the time we meet Jesus, we're not kind of just, you know, we, we develop and then at some point we come to our personal relationship with our Lord. And our Lord kind of gently begins to take away our illusions of what following him means you know I think of the passage in Luke where the disciples are arguing over who's the greatest and in the end they learn that you know the greatest is the servant of all the greatest is um, the least the last will be first so we have constantly in the spiritual life this idea of expectation that ends up being an illusion And that disillusionment, that confusion, can become an opportunity for Jesus if we allow Him in faith to come and bring us peace. And so I I would just... uh, I want to encourage anyone listening who begins to feel maybe at some point, uh, you know, this isn't the way that my parish priest talks, or this isn't the way that, uh, you know, whatever type of um, way I was raised we thought to just pause, you know, do not be afraid, um, but be open to what Jesus would have for you through the authentic teaching magisterium. Um, well, he, I'm gonna continue. Um, so we have first the foundation is that creation shows and communicates God's glory, that it's good, it's very good, And then, at the same time, we have this idea that comes um, later, in section 2415 and and following, where the way we use nature, it says in 2415, it talks about the way that we use nature, the way that we react with the natural world, is guided by moral imperatives. In other words, there are rules that God has set up, that, or you might say even appropriate ways to enact with the things that God has made for us. Uh, in 2415, it says that the seventh commandment enjoins respect for the integrity of creation. So in other words, that creation, there's a wholeness to it. Um, there is a oneness, a unity to creation. Animals, like plants and inanimate beings, are by nature designed for the common good of past, present, and future humanity. So here we're introduced to this idea that the animals, plants, and inanimate beings' nature of today is also destined for the common good of the future of our children and their children. The use of mineral, vegetable, and animal resources of the universe cannot be divorced from respect for moral imperatives. The reason I bring this in is Mm -hmm. because, uh, Matt, is because most of the time I've talked with people, they don't see this as a moral issue. They see it as, uh, they've been kind of conditioned in our culture to see this as a political issue, or an economic issue, or a mere social issue. That's the not end, the way in, the
0: church is. And, and thereby just a matter of opinion.
1: Right. And the church has been very emphatic. In fact, um, not only in the catechism, but multiple times, uh, John Paul II in his uh, World Day of Peace address in January first, 1990, he says a number of times that um, the... The ecological crisis, as he calls it, is a profound moral crisis. In other words, this isn't something that's just um, a matter of politics. He says this is a moral issue. This is an issue of morality. And so when the church speaks out on the environment, it does so in the context of faith and morals which Mm -hmm. as we believe the church can speak infallibly on the questions of faith and morals and time and time again as we'll see maybe on a different podcast the church categorizes issues of nature and how we relate to them under the seventh commandment and the moral law and the idea comes from taking something that doesn't belong to me, but rather, as uh, we had just read, belongs to the common good of past, present, and future humanity. Um, And so I'm going to kind of continue to move on. Um, So we have in 337, going back to We have this idea that all of creation has this inner nature, the the catechism says, um, and it has a value and an ordering of the whole of creation to the glory of God. Uh, And I'm going to combine that with in 340, it says that God wills the interdependence of creatures and that these interdependencies, or later in 344 it's going to call it solidarity among all creatures, that these are to complete each other and are in service of each other. In other words, I, to be a complete human, I live, as Pope Benedict points out, in nature. I live in creation, and as a complete human being, I discover God first and foremost in the natural world, as it radiates. Before I discover Him in doctrine, I discover Him in the beauty of the natural world, which is why um, Saint Paul says in that Romans passage that no no one has an excuse. Everyone, all, all of creation, yeah, everyone, every human being. Discovers the glory of God, namely His deity, through creation, and so although um, all things exist, and this is the, the 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 beautiful idea is that although all these created things exist and they praise God simply by existing. I love the Canticle mm-hmm. of Daniel three that we we say in morning prayer. It feels like every week, um, you know. Frost and chill, bless the Lord. Uh, Trees and rivers and rocks, like bless the Lord. This is straight from Holy Scripture, but these things also exist in the service of one another. And so if we use them well, they serve us. But if we use them ill, they no longer complete us, but rather hurt us. And that's the thing the church is trying to Caution us against yeah. um, in its in this teaching.
0: One uh, a thing that has come up in my mind as I've thought about these issues, and it it's it's maybe um, well, no, I guess it keeps it in the realm of of morality, but maybe backs up a little bit from its effect on us. Um, but just thinking of God as our friend, even you know not even to mention king of the universe and our lord but um, the uh, our if if I brought something that I a little thing that I had created even the smallest little thing that I created for to my friend and he was indifferent to it uh, whatever um, or even worse Like broke it, that that would hurt my feelings. I mean, that's just not the way you behave towards a friend, um, or not the way you want um, to be treated. And I I remember, uh, and it's it's beautiful out here at at Big Woods. We've got a lot of a big pasture that we can um, wander around in. I think I, I remember looking at. I don't know, something, and and thinking, God created this in part to show it to me, and why would I want to knock down, knock that down? You know, it's like a kid knocking down sandcastles on, <laughs> at, at the beach, um, which my cousin has accused me of doing when I was little, and I don't have any evidence of that other than what she says and I I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true Andy you know you know I'm talking about you um she says that I was a terror on the beach and that I would always do that but that I didn't get in trouble for it and I think it may actually be that it didn't happen um nevertheless uh if if you just if we're going through life as the kid knocking down some God's sand castle that's you know that's not respect and and what this preliminarily is talking about is respect for mm-hmm. God's creation something that he's given to us um that's just basic um common sense yeah. of how to behave towards a friend not and then then you take it up another level this is what you're what God has given us a major part of what God has given us to communicate himself yeah. to us, who he is yeah. to to show us that he exists, and if we don't respect that, then we're cutting off our communication with him, and um, this this is the profound moral issue that we're dealing with, um, and, and why it's important to look at.
1: Yeah, no, there's a line, um, I, I don't remember where it came from, but... Um, we were saying in Mexico, you know, one day we were praying in morning prayer, and and one of the missionaries said, "Lord, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Like I want to, I want my heart to break, not at just anything, but at the things that break your heart." And mm-hmm. what was, you know, I love this passage, this section sixty-four of the compendium where it says again. There is also a unity and solidarity among creatures, since all have the same Creator are loved by Him. I mean, that's something that's, uh, it's really profound to consider. I want to love the things that God loves, you know? And it's it's fascinating when I never really, I mean, I know it might sound very, very uh, a humble confession here, but you know, I, I never really considered the idea that God loves His creation. Not simply He's kind of, uh, you know, like He loves it, He loves to show me it. Mm-hmm. You know, like He loves me and He made nature for me. That's not the way that um, we believe. It's rather that God loves His crea- creation
0: in and of itself. Right. He, he may love. You know, we, as Jesus said, you know, God uh, loves the, the birds and yeah, that's and the, the, flowers. That's, the mob, that's
1: what they say in the um, catechism. That's but, the
0: verse that's used. Yeah, you know, he said that God loves that. How much more does He love you? Right. Um, so it's it's not um, it's it's not to say that we don't believe that humanity is the uh I guess the pinnacle of God's creation. Right. The summit um, the summit. But you can't all you can't thereby say God does not love his other creations. He he does love them, he just loves us more. Right. And so it's that doesn't release us from caring about it. That should all the more, like you say, we want to love what God loves.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, um it's interesting I just kind of a thought that occurred to me is that when when oftentimes as a child when i was presented with the religious concept of heaven it was always urban <laughs> uh free of trees and you know nature and just kind of was mansions and streets of gold type of imagery uh very devoid of um, of, of nature in general, and I, and I, I just, just thought of that, but I, I just wonder, um, you know, if that's something I I also just need to, to, um, to work on, but so he, we have this idea that there's this solidarity among creatures, or this interdependence of creatures, that we complete one another, and we serve one another, (laughs) and, um, and this makes me think of a lot of like you know when you study uh ecology The i've had the boys my sons the older sons have been studying um the ecology of lakes and you know in these um relationships they have these fragile relationships where these within these ecological systems things serve one another you know there are certain birds that um, serve the common good of that ecology by eating this, and there are bacteria that serve by breaking down this, and there's just this real beautiful independent interdependence written within nature itself that can speak to us, not only of, as the Catechism talks about, creation is the common work, it says in 292, the common work of the Holy Trinity, it, you can see, we know that the, the Trinity, the persons are different only in their relationship to one another. And so even written within, when we think of and we reflect on ecology and ecological systems, and the interdependence and the relationship and the service of one another, we can see kernels of the deity of God and the highest mystery of our faith, the Holy Trinity. There's just such a beauty to it. You know, it, it says in 302, the catechism here, creation has its own goodness and proper perfection, but it did not spring forth complete from the hands of the creator. The universe, not just earth, the universe was created in a state of journeying. Mm-hmm. In Latin, it's in statu vi, or viae, toward an ultimate perfection yet to be obtained. To which God has destined it. In other words, all of nature, this is why I question my, my image of heaven, because all of nature is destined toward an ultimate perfection, not destruction, not an ultimate removal, but rather a perfection. And so it goes on to say that man must therefore respect the particular goodness of every creature and avoid any disordered use of things which should be in contempt of the um, Creator and would bring disastrous consequences for human beings and their environment. And I thought of an interesting statistic I came across this week on, um, you know, just one of the things that uh, the popes, as we'll, we'll look at later on um, in a different podcast, are constantly calling us towards, and our bishops, the USCCB is, Um, a more simple living, a more moderation in our living, but what's fascinating is, you know, since 1973 uh, the size of homes has nearly doubled and yet we're at a new record low of, uh, at least in 2015 of 2.54 persons per household Mm -hmm. in other words, we're constantly um, building new houses we're constantly looking for more To consume more, to use more. And yet, the churches we're going to see for years now has been calling us to enjoy the simple things in life, to sacrificial love. And uh, we're going to see that we can read traces, the Catechism says, uh, we can read traces of the Creator in nature, and I think that's really interesting. So when uh, we were talking together this week, and they said, you know, well, yeah, when I get on a mountain and I look off, I do think of God, but you know, when I see like the swamp, I don't think of God. And I (laughs) thought of, you know, the analogy is like, you know, when I look at Mother Teresa, I see Jesus, but doesn't mean when I look at the guy on death row, I see Jesus, Mm -hmm. but I'm called to see Jesus in the guy on death row. I'm called to see Jesus in my enemy. I'm called to see God in all of nature, although right now I may only be able to do that when I'm you know, standing on the the summit of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, these are these are some of the background, a relational background to creation, which the church is going to build on um, in the catechism, but uh, especially in the teachings of the magisterium, um, the papal teachings, as well as um, we'll see teachings from various conferences of bishops that influence our way of life and i think that's where when you start challenging people's way of life their standard of living is where it gets a lot harder to listen yeah Yeah. you know but what we wanted to do today was kind of set up this relationship that we're called to in the catechism Mm -hmm. and then ask ourselves over these next you know podcast or two how do we live as stewards of creation what is the way then what then shall we do with this knowledge um, just like the um, the lawyer asked Jesus who then is my neighbor
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know we're we are now asking as we come to a close in this podcast you know well what then how then shall we live with this? knowledge with this um, you know idea of creation that we're a part of and our relationship to it
0: yeah Um, i i like that you brought up the um that uh parallel between loving your enemy um because i think that's the realm that we want to put this in in a sense of just as uh it's difficult for us to look at someone that annoys us or disgusts us or whose actions we just abhor. um, It's just as it it is difficult for us to look at that person with love, look at that person as Christ, um, and just as in that difficulty we have to ask Christ to help us. We have to just pray, Lord, help me to love that person. in the same way for those of us who find this relationship that the church and Christ is calling us to towards creation for those of us who find that difficult and not attractive the least the very least we can do and I think it's where we want to start is to just pray to God and say God give me your heart Yeah, give me your attitudes um, I don't think as I should and I don't um, you know we don't have the right attitudes Um, help us Lord
1: yeah conversion is another (laughs) word for that But um, I want to end with uh, a prayer I admit it's a prayer I've never prayed before but in 1979 when John Paul II made um, Francis of Assisi the the patron of those who work with the environment, and um, he said that this prayer, the words he used was actually Divino Quodam Spiritu Inflatus, which basically means in a certain way, or almost, um, or to a certain extent, inspired by the um, Divine Spirit or the Holy Spirit. This prayer of St. Francis, but I'd like to just end with. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Most High, All-Powerful, Good Lord, Yours are the praises, the glory, and the honor, and all blessing. To You alone, Most High, do they belong, and no human is worthy to mention Your name. Praise be You, my Lord, with all Your creatures, especially Sir, Brother, Son, who is the day and through whom You give us light. And he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor, and bears a likeness of you, Most High One. Praise be you, my Lord, through Sister Moon and the stars in heaven. You formed them clear and precious and beautiful. Praise be you, my Lord, through brother wind, and through the air cloudy and serene in every kind of weather, through whom you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise be you, my Lord, through Sister Water, who is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise be you, my Lord, through Brother Fire, through whom you light the night, and he is beautiful and playful, robust and strong. Praise be you, my Lord, through our Sister Mother Earth, who sustains and governs us, and who produces various fruit with colored flowers and herbs. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen alright well that's, that's it for us today we'll, uh, we uh, hope you'll join us for our next one where we're, I think we'll uh, jump into um, more specific things that uh, Pope John Paul II has said and, and other popes and different statements of the, of the church uh, about the environment and about um, our relationship to the things that God created Um, God bless you. We love you. Talk to you next time. We appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Please tune in again next week, and we look forward to seeing you. May God bless you.